Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Good morning, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got a wonderful show in store for you. The first in a short series of shows that are brought to you by the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference happening November 5th through 3rd in Vancouver. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that during the show today, but I've got several, a few couple of guests coming on from the conference. I'm really excited about it. But first, of course, um, uh, let's get to our uh, section from my book, Everyday Awakening, um, because I want to get through this quickly, um, but not too quickly, because this is the last section of my book. So um, I've been asking around, seeing what you would like me to do and 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 where I should go after uh, the book. Um, and the, the, the votes are still coming in. So this section is entitled, this is a really important section. It's entitled, If You See Something to Change in the World, It is a Call to Make the Change. It is not that unusual to hear someone mention that something is not working right or is missing. We see a problem or feel a lack, and we believe that someone should do something about it. The mistake we make is in thinking that solving the problem or responding to the need is someone else's responsibility. It is not. If we see something missing in our life or something that is not as we would like it, there's a reason why we see it and someone else doesn't. Just because it is in our world, in our experience, does not mean that someone else will have the same experience. It is our call to action. See something that can be done better? Great. Build a better mousetrap. See something missing from the world that would contribute to it? Great. Make that contribution. See an easier way for something to be accomplished? Great. Imagine how many other people could benefit from your insight. The reason we see it and others don't is because this is the chance for us to step up and do something about it 
and make a difference. Does this mean we have to do everything ourselves? No. And just because we see a need or how something can be done better does not mean we have to do something about it alone. We can share our insight or vision with others. And for those with whom it resonates with, ask them to join us. We are the ones we have been waiting for. Let's not wait any longer. Time to do what life is calling us to do. Do you hear life calling you? Do you have a vision for how to make something better in the world? When would be a good time to start? So I had decided to make this the last section of the book with my editor because to me, this is something that I felt it was very important to really get. And it was something that I think someone had shared a long time ago with me that it's when we see something that needs to be changed in the world, when we see something that doesn't feel right, that's, that's out of alignment for us, that, that's not working as, as well as it could, or, or we see a better way. It's a call to us. It's a call to us to step up and do something about it. There's a reason why we see these things. There's a reason why it's out of alignment. And it's up to us because we're the ones who see it. It's up to us to contribute to the change that we wish to see in the world. Because other people may be getting along fine and they don't see it and they don't know what the big deal is. But to us, it makes a difference. Now, at first, when I kind of heard this, I was like, oh, geez, you mean that like all these things that I see that I think should be different or better about the world and society and life, like I have to do all that myself? And the answer is no, you don't have to do it all yourself. You're more than, than open to inviting other people in to help you. And as a matter of fact, it's so much more powerful when we open our vision to others. And if it resonates with them, then they're the ones to help. So you, 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 you see too much garbage in your neighborhood. You know, yes, you can go around and just pick up the garbage yourself and put it in garbage cans or. You, you can post a little something, uh, you know, garbage cleanup Saturday afternoon, come join the neighborhood and let's clean up together and see who joins you. The thing is, is not to be discouraged if other people don't join you because it may not call to them or they may be so caught up in their own stuff and so busy with their own life that that particular thing just doesn't resonate with them enough. But it's also a message of empowerment. It's a message of like not just complaining about what's wrong in the world, but it's like if something doesn't resonate with you, if something doesn't align, 
it's a call to do something about it. And I think that's the thing that most people miss. That we're getting that call because it's ours to do something about. Doesn't mean we have to do every single thing. And it certainly does not mean we do it completely on our own. And maybe we start doing something and we start organizing and then a bunch of people join us. And then after a while, you know, we decide like we've put enough energy into it and we turn it over and let the other people go with it. Or we do it for a while and then it goes by the wayside. It may be ours to do something about it, but it doesn't mean we have to necessarily dedicate our entire life to it. Unless that calling is so deep that we feel like dedicating our entire life to it. There are lots of examples of this. We, we don't all have to be Mother Teresa. But if being Mother Teresa calls to you, then be Mother Teresa. And so this is the last section in my book because it's my message to all of you that if you see something in the world that you want to change, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't really, you know, cause you joy, and and it's something you just feel the need to fix, then go about it. Make the change. Find the support you need. Get others involved. Imagine if everybody in the world did this, what a different place we'd be living in. So that is the last section in my book. If you see something to change in the world, it is a call to make the change. And that, of course, is from my book, Everyday Awakening, which you can get at everydayawakeningbook.com, which um, will just take you to the Amazon listing. But if you're like me, I highly recommend you go to those uh, small uh, booksellers. We're in a major distributor, so you can get it anywhere. You can, you can find books. And now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show uh, clinical supervisor, vice president, professor, and advisor, Mark Hayden. Mark is a major figure in the field of psychedelic medicines with a long list of past and present activities and responsibilities. Among and beyond these, he is the clinical supervisor for psychedelic treatment program at Chi Integrative Health and vice president of business development at Clear Mind Medicine. He is an instructor teaching psychedelic therapy with the ATMA program and has written a book, The Manual for Psychedelic Guides, which makes this information widely available. Mark has served as the executive director for MAPS Canada for 10 years and is an adjunct professor, professor at the University of British Columbia School of Population and Public Health. Mark has published numerous articles in respected journals, has presented at conferences, and soon to be at the upcoming Spirit Plant Medicine Conference, and training events in many countries, and was awarded the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2013 for drug policy reform work. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Mark. I thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here. 
It, it's wonderful to have you. I've been really looking forward to having you come on the show. Um, I, I always like to give my audience just a little bit of background to get started, some context. So I'm curious, is, uh, I mean, obviously you, you've been working in public health for a long time, um, but your particular uh, uh, um, inclination towards psychedelic medicines, is this something that um, you've had for a long, long time? Is this something that developed later in life for you? What what kind of brought you to this field, which is now a a, a new up and coming field in some ways, but a very old field at the same time? Well, one of my many jobs is I work for Vancouver Coastal Health in British Columbia. All health money flows through the health authorities. And I was running a program for them. It was an addictions program with a sort of mental health component. And I ran that for decades. And I became acutely aware that in spite of the fact that I had passionate, talented, skilled people who really wanted to be there and do the best that they could possibly do to help people, the truth of the matter is we weren't very effective at what we did. And what I said is nobody ever had that eureka moment where they walked into our facility, had a moment of breakthrough, walked out saying, thank you. So Mm. we help people, but not dramatically and certainly not quickly. And I became, I remember I had one particular client who I had really worked hard with and many of my staff had worked hard with him and he was a heroin injector and did was not doing well. And I knew his parents as well. I'd brought them in for family sessions and, um, and somehow he'd found the word Ibogaine. I think it might've slipped out of my lips and he went down to Mexico and did an Ibogaine program. And 10 years later, he walked into my office or I had seen him for 10 years. He went Mm -hmm. down into Mexico, did an Ibogaine experience. He walked into my office and he said, I'm not an addict anymore. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, I've walked out into the intersection of my life. I've looked left and I saw the word addiction. I've looked right and I've seen the word recovery. And for the first time in my life, I realize I have a choice. I'm going to choose recovery. And it worked. He, mm-hmm. he did recover. And so wow. I became acutely aware that we need, in the addiction services world, we need all the help that we can get. And psychedelic treatments are a very, very powerful way of helping people to change. And that was one of the things that kind of got me on the path. And I started talking loudly in my organization about the importance of taking psychedelic work seriously. At that point in time, they've changed. But at that point in time, they weren't willing to take it seriously. So I quit Vancouver Coastal Health and I knew Rick Doblin who ran MAPS USA, Uh, and uh, he wanted me to start MAPS Canada, and I said, okay, and I I did and ran that as sort of the voice of psychedelics in Canada for 10 years. Wow. So how long ago was that experience with with that client who came in who who used Ibogaine? Probably 18 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, life is flowing by. Yes, yes. Uh, that that definitely makes you one of the elders in the industry, I would say. I've been talking about it for decades. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And and I've, I've heard, and, and uh, I, I really don't have any experience with Ibogaine myself, but I've heard that for for heroin addiction is one of the most effective treatments and heroin is like the from what i understand you you're the expert not me but is like considered to be one of the hardest addictions to treat it's a tough one i wouldn't say it was the hardest but there's a whole uh, list and they're all different um, yeah. 
But yeah, it, we just need we need lots of new tools, and psychedelics yeah. offer those kind of tools that would actually help. And it's not just addictions; it's depression, anxiety, a variety yeah. of different mental health disorders. In fact, my wife is a psychiatrist. I've looked her straight in the eye, and I've said the work that we are doing is going to transform your profession. Psychiatry will not be the same. Clinical social work will not be the same. Psychology will not be the same. Clinical nursing will not be the same. Once psychedelics get incorporated into mental health treatments widely. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a vision I definitely agree with. All right. We're going to take our, our, our first quick break. When we come back, um, let's just talk about where this path has led you and what you're doing now and, and how you became the, the, the uh, program director at, at Chi Integrative Health and, and what Clear Mind is all about so that we can, you know, give our audience like really practical uses of these amazing things. And I do see on the Facebook Live, uh, loyal listeners, Patty and Sanaya tuning in. It's so good to see you. Thank you for, for coming in on the, on, on the Facebook Live. Let us know if you have any questions throughout the show. So you're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time and all over uh, right here on talkradio.nyc and all over social media. And we will be right back with our guest, Mark Haddon, in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bracu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Mark Haddon, author of the book Manual for Psychedelic Guides and former executive director of MAPS Canada for 10 years. So I'm sure, you know, having been part of MAPS, you saw a lot of uh, of things over the, the your, your tenure there. 
Um, when did you get involved with Qi Integrated Health? Well, I've been at Qi for a couple of years now. We've okay. been building, actually, curious enough, a ketamine program because ketamine is ah. completely legal in Canada. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's an easy one to work with. It was interesting because my background was working with MDMA for post-traumatic stress disorder and certainly have some involvement with the world of psilocybin and the other psychedelics. So when I first started working with ketamine, I wasn't particularly enamored with it. I wasn't sure how therapeutic it would be because I really saw MDMA as being a beautiful therapeutic experience. But now that I've been working with ketamine for a while, I have more and more appreciations for it. It can be therapeutic if you set people up for the experience. It's relatively short acting. It's about an hour to an hour and a half at the dosage we give. It, it works. And if you think about the classic psychedelics, the LSD psilocybins of the world, often mm-hmm. when the first experience when people take them is as they lift off, the experience is anxiety provoking. And mm-hmm. that goes away. But but the training a therapist to work with that experience as it starts to emerge um, can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Now, with ketamine, the first experience isn't anxiety, it's relaxation. It's just the sense of, ah, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So ketamine is, is actually a very nice drug to work with. Short acting, easy, mm-hmm. no a reduction of anxiety. And if you set people up skillfully, um, it can be very therapeutic. So I've, I've become enamored with, with the, mm. the ketamine experience. And it does have some sort of innate antidepressant effects that just seem to work really well for people um, in terms of managing chronic um, persistence and severe depression. Yeah, my, my wife, who's, who's a psychotherapist, has recently started uh, offering ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. She trained with Phil Wolfson at the Ketamine Training Center. Um, and it, and it's quite interesting. It is a, a very potent, uh, uh, substance. Um, I'm just curious. I'm wondering if you know, like, how did they realize it was good as a therapeutic, um, aid? Because ketamine, from what I understand, it was used, it's used as an anesthetic and a tranquilizer. Like, like, the, you know, when they put you under the, the ketamine could be one of the, the anesthesias that they use. Do you know, how did it like, how did people discover like, oh, this can help with depression? Another thing? Yeah, it's not a tranquilizer. It's Uh. a, because a tranquilizer sedates consciousness. What it is, is a disassociative anesthetic. Uh. If you you think about anesthetics generally, um, when when you emerge from an anesthetic experience, you have no recollection of what happened, which is different from dreaming. You have some sense that time has passed and you know what happened when you wake up from dreaming, but with anesthesia, you're not there. You're, you're, you're obliterated, but ketamine it's disassociative. So there's still some sense of consciousness. It's just that you're not aware of what the surgeon is doing to your knee. Mm. But the way it worked is that many surgeons would go back to talk to the person about their knee surgery and want to talk about their knee. And the person would say, well, here's what's going on with my knee surgery, but I also am not depressed. And the surgeons over the time listened to that and then got together and started talking about that. And they were all having the same experience. And so they observed this side effect of it being an antidepressant. Mm. And in Canada, I don't know how it works in the States, but in Canada and British Columbia, what happened is the College of Physicians and Surgeons 
said, okay, so we need to allow this to be available as an antidepressant. And we were very cautious and conservative. Let's do it within hospitals for severe depression. They did that Mm. for a while and it worked. And then they said, well, you know, we know this is a very safe drug and we know that the level that they're using it at is much less. So it's even safer. The risks are are very, very um, low. Why don't we let people outside of hospitals use it? And the the language that they use is mental health conditions. So they don't even refer to diagnoses. Mm. So mental health conditions, no severity is listed. And so that opened the door for Qi Integrated Health to provide this service. And they invited me in. And so we provide psychedelic psychedelic psychotherapy services. Yeah, that's wonderful. Because ketamine also, it's the only uh, nationally legal uh, a psychedelic in the United States as well. And, and my understanding of here is it's considered off-label use. So like, you know, a drug gets approved for one particular thing, but then they find other uses for it. So then it's considered off-label use. Um, and, and I know there, there were sort of three ways of, of working with ketamine. There's, there's lozen- lozenge, you know, oral, there's, there's injection or intramuscular, and then there's IV. Um, what kind of form do you, do you use Chi? Well, we run groups now uh-huh. in groups. If you give people the lozenge, what will happen is everybody, the lozenge, the lozenge way of doing it is fairly unpleasant. You have to hold it in your mouth yeah. for about 20 minutes and not spit. Yeah. So saliva builds up in your mouth and you have to just sit there and you cannot swallow right. and the swallowing reflex is fairly strong. Yeah. So occasionally somebody will swallow it. So you've got three people in the group that are on a one and a half hour trajectory. And suddenly somebody else is on an oral trajectory. It's in their stomach. Mm. And so they, it lasts a lot longer for them and it comes a lot slowly. Oh, so the group is no longer cohesive. Cause gotcha. so, so lozenge doesn't work in group because gotcha. if somebody swallows it, they're completely different. IV is just a hassle and there's, I don't see any mm. advantage to it. So for our purposes, we use IM. Now mm-hmm. we will use a lozenge if somebody is completely phobic for needles, but mostly I am is really easy to dose, guaranteed, not unpleasant holding something in your mouth. Don't have to fiddle with the IV. Um, so the, the cleanest, easiest, and most straightforward way to do it is intramuscular injection. And 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 what sort of conditions or like what um, uh, experiences do you find it it most helpful for? Because it's helpful for a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bullseye is depression. Depression. But, okay. But many people come for many different reasons, and people mm-hmm. just their lives aren't working. They have too much anxiety. They have some kind of diagnosis that they just think psychedelics would be helpful for them, and and we can often work with them. Yeah. So there's a variety of different mental health conditions that we treat. Um, it, it's curious. One of the the main new populations that we're reaching out to is actually police officers. Really? I, I originally, way back when, I have a complex history, but at one point in my history, I was a trainer for the Vancouver Police Department, and I taught them mental health and addictions issues because that's what they do all day long. Yeah, Most yeah. calls, you know, cop, young bucky cops that want to go in and chase bad guys are suddenly confronted with the fact it's not bad guys, it's mental health and addictions all day long. Mm-hmm. So they brought me in to help them deal with that um, expansion of how the police saw their work. And so I phoned up my old supervisor there and I said, um, would you like me to talk to you about a program that I think would really be helpful for PTSD? 
She said yes. And so we put together a program called Helping Heroes, which is aimed at cops. Mm. So we're actually um, giving cops. We we have cops in the pipeline. We haven't actually, it's a new program. We haven't had our first cop, had their first sit, but we've got them in the pipeline. We have to assess and prepare and and screen. And that we're, we're planning on running groups with police officers giving them psychedelics, which is actually pretty cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and I know from, from, uh, other shows in the past on our network that there's a high incidence of suicide among police officers in the United States. I don't know if it's the same in Canada, but that it's a major, major issue and, and it's not being talked about enough. So I can, I can see how potentially this can help alleviate a lot of that yeah. situation. Yeah. We're, there's multiple reasons to give psychedelics to cops. One is they will have less trauma. And yeah. when traumatized police, interact with the public, bad things happen. So they'll be Mm. more skilled at their profession. They will be better managers of people under the influence of psychedelics because they'll understand it. And so when they have to interact with somebody on a psychedelic, they'll be more gentle and calm and bring people into a safe space. They're quite frankly, less likely to bust people for psychedelics (laughs) and they become good spokespeople. You know, because we, you know, in the States, Rick Doblin brilliantly chose to work with veterans. Yes. And veterans have become advocates for MDMA therapy. Police are good advocates because they're just Mm. not your normal kind of hippie, you know, who has no credibility. We want credible people who are good spokespeople who have a lot of um, public admiration and cops fill that role perfectly. So one of my goals is to actually change social policy. You know, I would like Mm. to see psychedelics widely available. And the more police people, men and women, we can get talking about the benefits of psychedelics that really changes the public dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I happened to attend the Psychedelic Sciences Conference in Denver this year, where um, it it seemed like, according, I forget who was Rick who said it or someone else from App said that it looks like at least in the United States, MDMA will will pass through all of its FDA trials next year and and be available for medical use. And they're thinking psilocybin possibly the year after that. Um, so uh, I'm uh, I'm assuming things are, are probably on a similar trajectory in in, in Canada. We're certainly hoping so. Yes, and yeah. so the process is called DIN drug information number drug identity number. Oh. And so once a DIN is is attributed to a, a drug, then it's on prescription. So the the marketability is then the process. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And we intend to offer all of the different psychedelics as they come on stream. And mm. as you know, there are many, many psychedelic drugs in the research pipeline. And so yes. there's, a, there's an explosion of research interest in turning these things into medicines, which makes absolute and complete sense to me. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to all of them. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, it's time for us to take our next break. When we come, when we come back, let's talk about uh, clear mind medicine and, and and what you're doing there. And and then I want to kind of get into a little bit of the the artificial versus natural plant medicine, the underground versus above ground aspects of it, because it's it's a very complex industry, I guess you would say. Um, and, and so there are many different issues. I'm wondering we can eh, just, just even lightly touch upon some of that. Okay. Sure. Yes. Wonderful. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back with our guest, Mark Hayden, after this. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. So are you ready to join us on an incredible journey of healing and planetary transformation? 
The beloved Spirit Plant Medicine Conference is back, celebrating its 12th year of gathering of like-hearted souls in the beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, where Mark is from. Uh, and, and they are thrilled to introduce to you uh, an extraordinary lineup of visionary speakers who will not only educate, but also inspire. Um, prepare for an unforgettable experience with world-renowned mushroom guru, Paul Stamets, the cosmic wisdom of astrophysicist and mystic visionary Acacia Lewis, and the compassionate insights of Gabor, Dr. Gabor Mate. Three amazing people. This year's conference will take place on the weekend of November 3rd through 5th. Information and tickets can be found at www.spiritplantmedicine.com. And because you're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, you can use the code save the world, all one word, save the world for an extra 10% discount. And, um, and it is uh, through the, um, uh, spirit plant medicine conference that Mark comes to us today. So, uh, thank you very much, Stephen Gray for connecting us. And, and thank you again, Mark, for taking the time to come on the show today. You're welcome, Sam. It's, it's what I'll be talking about in the conference is my book. I've, what I was aware of is that many people don't know how psychedelic psychotherapy works. There's been lots of people write written books about psychedelic psychotherapy where they talk about stories of what happened when they did the work, but they never said what they do. They never described the process. Mm -hmm. What is psychedelic psychotherapy? How does that actually work? Right. So I wrote a book called The Manual for Psychedelic Guides. And it's it was an interesting process because I'm a bit of a community guy. So I wrote the book and then I had a ton of feedback. People would talk to me. And so I rewrote it and I got more feedback and I rewrote it again. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a book that has been a bit of a community development project. And it's now in its third edition. It's on Amazon. It's called The Manual for Psychedelic Guides. And it really right is intended for both official above ground university courses as a textbook and for the underground, because the underground mm -hmm. people who are blossoming in Vancouver and doing very well also need to understand how to do the work because there's a vulnerability when when things go wrong in either above ground or underground and it gets into the media then it, it challenges the whole train of psychedelic legalization going down the track which we wanted right. to stay on the track so this is a book designed to help everybody be skillful psychedelic guides wonderful and, and i'm so so glad you wrote it because I feel like there's, first of all, there's a lack of education that, that, that a lot of people get involved with these substances without really knowing the, the history, the proper background and the, and the, and, a, and the proper way to use them effectively. And, and there are also a lot of people out there. And I've heard, believe me, I've heard horror stories from friends of, of people who like take some mushrooms, have their own experience and think, oh, this is great. I can do this for other people. And they start offering their services or they go down to, to Peru and they drink ayahuasca once and they come back and now they're, they're, they're serving ayahuasca to people and they don't really have, they don't have a lineage. They don't have support. They don't have proper training. And it really concerns me because it, it, just, you know, after what happened in the 60s and 70s, there was such potential with these substances that got way, uh, you know, sidetracked. I mean, for, for how many years these substances have been illegal because of the misuse and mistreatment and the lack of really honoring how potent and powerful these substances are. 
Yes, and how to use them skillfully. Attention to yes. set, which is the expectations that people have when they walk in the room. The setting, which is the environment that they're taking in. And a new buzzword is the matrix. Where do people go home at the end of the session? What kind of support mm. do they have there? What's the context of their lives that right. they emerge into after a psychedelic experience? So which substance, what dosage, how do you do it? What do you do when things go wrong? All need, people need to be incredibly thoughtful about because flying, um, pro- being a psychedelic guide is a bit like flying a plane. Often it's actually quite boring. You know, you're not doing a lot. Somebody's lying there with eye shades on, listening to music and you're sitting back relaxing. You're not doing very much, but when you're taking off and when you're landing in the analogy of a plane, things can be pretty intense. And so pilots have to train a lot for those moments when things go wrong. And in spite of the fact that much of their job is boring, the same is true for psychedelic work. You know, mostly you're not doing a lot, but boy, when you have to be there for emotional turbulence and you really have to be there with skill and compassion and wisdom and calm clarity, it takes quite a bit of skill to actually do that and start out with the knowledge um, and really understanding it is really, really important. Hence the book. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like when everything's going fine, it's, it's a breeze. It's easy. But when you hit those bumps, when, when, when that person maybe unlocks a trauma that they didn't even know they had and start spiraling, like that's the real challenging moments. That's, yes. you know, where the real skill and the, and the real experience of the facilitator comes in. Um, uh, you know, it was also kind of interesting at the conference because I, I saw a lot of different speakers, met a lot of different people. And even though the, there's this huge legalization track going on and, and a lot of people are doing things like with ketamine and, and doing things through maps, but there's still a strong and vibrant underground. Um, and, and that, and that from what I heard people say, it looks like there's always going to be a place for both. And and I'm curious, how do you feel about that, considering you're more in the above ground side? Like, do you look at sort of underground facilities and the underground movement as as a problem or as a complement to what you do? Well, it's interesting. In my world of Maps Canada, I became the community complaints department. I'm just a visible public figure. And when something went wrong in the underground and a client wanted to complain, who did they complain to? And so it turned out to be me. So I would listen to both sides. And if I could see a resolution, I would propose it. And um, I couldn't always see a resolution, but but sometimes I could. And so I became aware that the my personal agenda for my life is wide legal access to psychedelics. Essentially, it's a drug policy agenda. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see the underground as antagonistic to that, but I see them as a risk. If it's mm-hmm. done unskillfully, If it's done badly and it gets into the media, it can derail the train of psychedelic legalization. So they're not going to go away. You can't pretend that they're not there. They're they're a a flourishing community in Vancouver. So acknowledging that they are there and that they're going to keep doing their work, um, giving them the best possible tools that they can have makes complete sense to me. You know, the clinic that I work in is above ground. Mm-hmm. And um, and we invite people in to meet our physician and get a prescription and and talk to registered therapists. 
But that doesn't mean the underground's going away. So I acknowledge the underground. And, and I think the underground has always played a role. I mean, in, in the world of research, which was my previous incarnation, researchers will listen to underground therapists and get ideas as to what they want to research. And then uh -huh. that becomes the process of clinical trials. MDMA through the world of maps, you know, it wasn't just Rick Doblin's idea to do this. He listened. He listened yeah. to what people were saying. So the underground feeds into the above ground. And the above ground develops techniques and protocols and procedures and ways of doing it that then the underground reads. So there's a, a cross fertilization that happens between the underground and the above ground. So I, I'm, I'm aware that that needs to be um, fostered and con made con as constructive as possible mm. for the train to stay on the track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and at the conference, I saw the film, uh, about Sasha Shulgin, who's like considered to be the grandfather of this movement in some way. He was very much, I mean, he was a chemist, but he was very much underground researching, creating these compounds in his homemade lab and, and really helped to, I think, in some ways ignite the, the psychedelic movement of, of his time. Well, well, it's interesting because that leads to my next job, which is with Clear Mind Medicine, because that work of developing new molecules continues. Underground chemists, mostly we've been talking about underground therapists, but underground chemists still exist. And they make new molecules, they test them, and they make them available in a variety of different ways. And so one of my other jobs is Clear Mind Medicine. And there's one particular molecule that is really, really intriguing. It's, it's called MEAI mm. or 5-methoxy-2-aminoindane. And it was released by a specific chemistry into the world of the internet. Mm -hmm. And then this discussion unfolded about it. It, it feels a bit like MDMA, uh, mm -hmm. generally speaking. It's not quite that. But the discussion around it was it seems to have anti-addictive qualities. And that discussion just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then some people started to do some sort of informal anecdotal research of just actually inviting people with significant addictions to take this substance. And it seems to work. And so watching that discussion in the underground led to the birth of this company called Clear Mind Medicine uh -huh. that is being formed above ground as a completely mm -hmm. legal company. And, and it's, it's fascinating to watch this molecule mm -hmm. work its way through the clinical trial pathway. And let, let me just give you one example. They, it, it was originally proposed for alcoholism because it just okay. seems to help people stop drinking. But it's, if you think about other options for alcoholism, counseling, naltrexone, and abuse, compensate, none of them actually work as well as this appears to work. Mm -hmm. And something like antabuse is horrible to take. It's obnoxious. You know, you get violently mm -hmm. ill. But MEI is a positive experience that just seems to trigger the satiation response where you just don't want to drink anymore. Oh. So it's uh it, it's a bit the analogy that I use is cheesecake. You know, once you've finished, if somebody gives you two pieces of cheesecake and then sits a third piece of cheesecake in front of you, you look at it, you can't imagine touching it. <laughs> you just kind of go, oh God, I couldn't eat. So it it's similar to that. If you just you're done, you're just completely yeah. finished, but it's a positive experience. Yeah. So it was originally proposed for alcoholism and, but they, there was also this kind of thing that started to happen on the internet of people noticed that it was also useful for eating disorders. Uh -huh. So clear my medicine found an eating disorder researcher who works with rodents and he works with it. If you have a molecule you think will help with eating disorders or obesity specifically, you give it to this guy and that's all he does. He works with really mm -hmm. fat rats. 
He will tell you whether your molecule is useful for rats or not. Mm -hmm. They gave it to him and he came back and he said, this is really an interesting molecule. He hadn't seen anything like it. And what he said is it's normalizing. By that, I mean, if you give an obese rat crystal meth, yes, they will lose weight, but they will not be a normal rat at the end of the experience. They'll be really messed up. But he said, this seems to be a normalizing experience. Their activity becomes normal. How the fat is stored in the body becomes normal. Their body weight becomes normal. It's a fascinating molecule because it just seems to help, Mm. but it produces a normal rat, not a really stressed out rat. So it's fascinating to watch a molecule go through the clinical trial process and I think one day, my hope is it will become a legal addiction treatment. And, and I've joined that company, just full self-disclosure. I'm the vice president of business development for that company because I've watched that molecule and I think it's mm. fascinating. Mm, wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. Um, how far along are you in the process? How long do you think it'll be before you know? It'll be years. We were years, working yeah. with the FDA to get it into human studies and it's the clinical trial pathway, which is endless and expensive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, it's not endless, but it's a complicated process. But they, yeah. they've done there. A lot of work has happened with um, preclinical toxicology and, and efficacy in, in rodents. Hmm. Um, but uh, and, and it works in rodents, but um, we don't know yet if it works in humans. We're not there yet. Oh, OK, got it. Got it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. It's time to take our last break. I do see Sanaya posted a question on the Facebook Live. So we'll get to that when we come back to break. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Mark Haddon, and we will be right back to wrap this all up in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Oh, 
Um, so, Mark, we have a question from our audience. Uh, Sanaya asked, is there a relationship with increasing psychedelic therapy and children, teens with autism? Um, and autism is an interesting thing because I've seen people look at psychedelics as, is there any possible help for children with autism? And, and I think what she's more looking at is, is there, uh, 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 is, is autism a, a possible uh, outcome of someone using psychedelics, you know, before they conceive, I guess. Okay. There's many different questions in there. Let's, let's yeah. tease them apart. So there's no research that says that people who take psychedelics produce autis autistic children. Um, there is no link that's been identified in the research. There is some research. There, there is no research that says you can cure autism with psychedelics. I, I, that doesn't exist. I, I, I'm, at least I'm not aware of that. Yes. But there is some research that looks at the social anxiety that's associated uh -huh. with autism. Okay. Because one of the things with people who have autism struggle with is disconnection from others. Yeah. And so what we all need is connection and we all need to develop skills that enable us to connect with people. And there's been some research interest in helping people deal with the anxiety around connection that people with autism struggle with and specifically using MDMA to do that. That may be something that will be fruitful in the future, but helping people who are autistic connect is actually really important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say uh, that's what I was getting at the aggression and anxiety. Will the therapy calm it down, basically? Possibly, yes. Possibly. Um, yeah. po possibly. I mean, we're, we're research is slow and difficult yeah. and yeah. painful. And I would describe it as an area of research interest. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to conclusive, but, uh, but it, it's something that researchers are interested in. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's one of those aspects. I, I think, you know, also, I think that there's some interest and some hopefulness because some psychedelics do help to increase neuroplasticity. And they're hoping that, uh, I believe there's some research into seeing not that it can cure autism, but it might alleviate certain symptoms if, in, in autism. But it's so early, and, and that, that research, from my understanding, is still very, very young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have an analogy that I use frequently that is useful for all psychedelics. And it's a skiing analogy. So you take the gondola up to the, the ridge of the mountain, and then you normally, in your regular life, get pulled into this rut that is a deep way, deep rut down the mountain that you just get pulled into and you go down the mountain in that rut. You go back up the mountain with the gondola and you go down the same rut, back up the mountain, down the same rut. And you, you kind of stuck in this rut and it could be an emotional rut. It could be a PTSD rut. It could be a depression rut, but it's a rut and it's hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. you, you struggle to get out of the rut, but it just doesn't seem to work. Mm -hmm. Psychedelics are like, you now have a chance to sit on the edge of the mountain. You've taken the gondola up. It's snowing lightly. It's a beautiful day. You hang out on the ridge and just look at your life for a while. Mm. And then you realize you have a choice. And that rut, because it's snowing lightly, is partly full of snow. And so it doesn't pull you as much and you go down the mountain in a different way. Mm. And then you take the gondola back up again and you go down the mountain in a different way again. And as you do it, you notice the rut is getting increasingly full of snow and it pulls you less and less and less. And at the end, 
the rot never completely goes away. You're aware of it. You can mm. see it. But you have choices about how you go down the mountain and you can choose different ways or completely different ways on top of that. So there are many ways down the mountain and you have much more choice when you use psychedelics through a therapeutic process. Right, right, right. That's a way of describing neuroplasticity. I, I, I love it. I love that analogy. That's a beautiful analogy. I think very apropos. Um, with everything going on in the industry right now and, and the push towards legalization and, 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 and decriminalization, there are huge de decrim movements uh, in, in both the U.S. and Canada. Do you have any concerns for the future or do you have any, any, any worries or, or things that you think can really derail things at the moment? Yeah, we're not there yet. I mean, the train is chugging down the track and it is not derailed, but there are certain problems. There are lots of problems. Um, therapists behaving badly, you know, and not, you know, it's the whole touch thing, you know, and, yeah. and it, it just goes wrong repetitively because yeah. psychedelics reduce boundaries. Yep. And MDMA specifically is colored with the emotion of love. So a high amount of skill is needed to, to really be clear about boundaries because when boundaries go wrong, in psychedelic space that can derail it but th there's mm -hmm. actually a number of things that's just one of them mm -hmm. because the cannabis world cannabis as you know is legalized in canada mm -hmm. and it was interesting to watch how it happened and they didn't engage the medical profession well and so that's they probably didn't need to because it's now just available for recreational use but right. psychedelics is going to be a prescription so we need to be really really skillful about our engagement of the medical community and so I have, I do these doctor's dinners and I have about 82 folks that I invite to these things. And we talk about psychedelics and it's interesting because doctors have a tough time thinking about the context. They mm -hmm. like to think about drugs as a pill you give to people and psychedelics mm -hmm. are not just a pill. They're, the context is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And so getting the medical community to understand that it is not just a pill you give people is actually a bit of a challenge because that's, they're very fixed in their way of seeing it. So that's another reason I wrote the book is to really make it clear. There is a context and the context is crucial. And if you get the context wrong, things will go wrong. So the medical community is a great blessing to us and a risk to us. Yeah, so true. getting them on board and getting them trained and understanding and working with therapists is, is going to be a vital part of the future. So that there's, there's many different risks. Well, Mark, unfortunately, we have to end it there. I, I could talk with you for hours and hours, and hopefully the next time I make it to Vancouver, we can get together and actually do that. Um, before we close out, if you would like to give your website or let people know if they have questions for you, how they'd like to get in touch with you, please do so. Sure. So I'm available through many different companies. Chi, which is spelled QI, Integrated Health is in Vancouver. We provide ketamine. ClearMind Medicine is a company that is um, in the clinical trial research pathway for MEAI. I'm at UBC, School of Population and Public Health. Um, my book is available at Amazon, the, uh, the Manual for Psychedelic Guides. And I have a website where I just give stuff away. It's markhayden.com. And um, I just make my presentations available and, and give stuff away to people. Wonderful, wonderful. And I see loyal listener Patty says this was so informative. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, Patty. And thank you, Mark, for taking the time and 
you can actually, if if you want to attend the conference, you can see Mark giving his presentation at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference. You can learn all about that at www.spiritplantmedicine.com. Remember, use the code Save the World, all one word, all lowercase, for a ten percent discount. That's November third to fifth in Vancouver, British Columbia, Mark's hometown. Mm-hmm. Once again, Mark, thank you so much. And I appreciate all the work that you're doing and the voice that you are for sanity in the industry. Thank you for what you do in the world. And thank you for your leadership, Sam. Most welcome. And thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in every week. Without you, there is no show. And of course, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch the replay on talkradio.nyc on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts, you will find the Conscious Consultant Hour. Please stay tuned. Don't forget, later today, Frank Harrison and his show, Frank About Health at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, on Friday, our whole block of Friday shows. And a little announcement. Dr. Mira Brancu, host of The Hard Skills, is going to be moving her show from Fridays at 1 p.m. Next week, she'll be airing uh, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. So keep an eye out for a change in our schedule. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronco, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. 
Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about help to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.